0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons.
1: Hi, everybody, and thanks for hanging out with us for our latest podcast. Now, there's a lot going on in Major League Baseball. There have been some big free agent signings. Uh, this is also the day where... Uh, players uh, could potentially settle and avoid arbitration cases. And those, this is, uh, in addition to that, International Signing Day. Now, we'll have stuff on the potential arbitration cases on our blog, raiseradio.mlblogs.com. But for purposes of the podcast, we're going to be focusing on international signing. Later, we'll hear from Ben Badler, get some national perspective. He's with Baseball America. But joining us now, when Carlos Rodriguez, Rays Vice President. Carlos, thanks very much for being with us. Anytime, Neil. Anytime. Happy to be here. So tell me, with the change from July to January, which you guys had gotten so used to, how much really changed in terms of the signing
2: period itself? Well, a lot, a lot, in, in some ways, a lot has changed. And in other ways, not much has changed, just uh, given the inactivity um, that usually happens from, or the, the inactivity that happened from, you know, whenever we had the, the hiatus and uh, back in like March, April. Um, all the way through um, through July when the kids would normally sign. but um certainly, t- typically we would sign sign these players. Uh, they'd come in in July. They'd be integrated almost immediately into um, you know, a lot of the team activity. Um, the onboarding, there'd be an onboarding process. They'd participate in kind of like a parallel uh, parallelo type league that runs um, parallel with the Dominican Summer League. And they'd have their first introduction, not to mention their first winter program. Um, obviously, that's something that uh, was not able to um, to happen this year. And a lot of our scouts, they were they were grounded for quite some time. So we, it was extra tricky to, to stay in contact and to monitor a lot of the players. Um, but the credit to a lot of our guys, um, you know, we were able to, to make sure that we, um, you know, we assured a, a, a nice process and, and we're fortunate to end up with some, some players that we're really excited about. And we'll touch on some of the players, Carlos, but I'm
1: curious too, was it harder to keep a player on board that you had anticipated signing in July all the way to January? And if so was it harder for the bigger name guys or let's say the lesser name guys that maybe got better in the last six months and, and maybe someone else might have tried to get them with more bonus money?
2: Yeah, that's certainly... Uh that's certainly a possibility that that um, existed throughout this entire time, but the the answer is I think it was all challenging and it a lot of it depended on where the player was if the player was in a place where they had the means and facility um, to to train in uh, safely. um some players you know were in were in some countries or some towns that were they had less opportunity to, to go out and practice. And so, and with that, also like the the risk of injury and and, and you know, some of the guys, just the inactivity and the toll that, that can that can have on some of the players. So um certainly a, a lot can you know can change with players, especially um, if you if you look back at when you're in high school and how much you changed from your freshman to your sophomore to your junior year. And uh, that's essentially sort of like the stage in development physically where a lot of these kids are. And so, again, going back to my previous answer, th- there was a lot, of, a lot of heavy lifting with regards to the check-ins and just using uh, any, you know, any potential um, ways to, to keep track of these guys and, and make sure that the skills um, you know, were, were trending in, in, the, in the direction that we kind of projected um, you know, throughout the course of the entire time. And, uh, you know, certainly had to satisfy to, to, you know, our, our projections in terms of, you know, where, they, where they've been and, and where they're going to for us to, to get it done. So it was all challenging. I think this entire year has been pretty challenging, but like I said, really excited about the group of players.
1: Let's touch on a couple of those players. Begin with Carlos Colmenares, um, a top five prospect, depending on, you know, where, uh, on whose who's guide you're looking at. What makes him so special and how difficult is it to convince a top five kid to sign? You've now done that, what, three times overall?
2: Yeah, we're really excited about uh, Carlos. Um, he's got a great first name, first of all. I do have to say that. That was immediately one of the, the more appealing things. But no, um, what makes him really uh, exciting, unique is he's a really well-rounded player with 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 tools across the board um, and several of them projecting to to be plus Um, and that's a really unique uh you know really unique combination especially for a 16 year old player uh, for up the middle player a shortstop Um, and what he can do the the chance to to provide value on both sides of of the ball uh, on defense projects um, to be a really good defensive shortstop, can really throw plus arm across the diamond, can complete several, uh, several uh, types of plays uh, with the arm strength. Um, also a player that can run. Um, that's usually um, one of the, the last um, things to kind of to come to to some of these players, and then certainly the bat. Um, it's a left-handed it's a left-handed bat with bat speed, um, uh, ability to to drive the ball to all fields, and. Uh, when, when it's all said and done, the combination of bat, power, run, uh, field, premium position, and the makeup, this kid is really determined. He's, he's got a tremendous infectious smile, um, loves to, to work, loves to, um, to compete, and a player that we're just really excited about um, you know, joining the organization.
1: How hard is it to convince a top five kid, though, to sign? I mean, you've done it three times. Obviously, more recently was Wander Franco uh, before Carlos.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> it's always tough, especially at the top of of the class. There's a lot of competition. Um, I don't, I don't. Know, we don't really think about it that much. We just try to do the best we can to um, to you know to identify talent that we we feel uh, we, we'll be able to develop and that will fit our organization we we have a really high replacement level we have a lot of really good middle end fielders and so i think for us a lot of it is just having clarity with the, the type of players that we feel will impact the organization and just putting our best foot forward uh, trying to, to to do the work but we have again a lot of the credit goes to the the, the guys that we have on the ground the work, um, the relationships that they've built over time to put us in position to do this. So, um, definitely don't take it for granted. Uh, you know, wish, you know, and hope that we can continue to add top, you know, top of, of, of the market type talent uh, year in and year out. Um, certainly that would put well for us in the organization. Um, and again, it, it's um, a credit to a lot of the guys on the ground and, and certainly something that we don't take for granted. And that's uh, one of two top 20 talents
1: that you've been able to bring on board in this international signing period. The other being outfielder
2: Johnny Puderone. What do you like so much about Johnny? Yeah, Johnny is, uh, he's a five-tool type uh, player. Um, He's an outfielder now, um, where Carlos was a, a, a shortstop with, you know, with five tools. And Johnny is a uh, athletic, a, a lean, wiry, kind of a quick burst um, uh, type player that has a chance to play center field. Um, but but like I mentioned, a really well-rounded um, uh, skill set across the board, can run, can throw, has a lot of bat speed. I um, think he's going to have uh, you know emerging power as well. And so anytime you talk about players that project to have five tools or four or five tools across the board average or better um some of them some of these being plus i think that sort of is what differentiates a lot of the players from uh, a lot you know a lot of the other players that are sort of uh, more towards the middle or, or the or the kind of the bottom end of the, uh, of the marketplace because it's so rare for kids at that age to 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 really have those tools developed and with johnny there's a lot of um, youth and athleticism there that we hope that over time the maturation, the physical maturation, will um, will allow those tr- those tools to continue to trend uh, even better. That those two players, Perrone and Colmenares, cover you
1: know a fair chunk of your your uh, your bonus pool money. How do you decide to divide up the rest of the group, and who are some kids that maybe you've signed that you're excited about that probably. Don't have let's say the hype of the top two players we
2: talked about hmm. yeah so um uh you know really when it comes down to it i don't think we go out um uh, exactly how we're going to spend the money i think we um as a group uh collectively we all discuss um you know the players you know what the marketplace looks like um you know we we, we sort of look internally to make sure that we um you know, we're able to create opportunity for a lot of those players to to see playing time, but at the end of the day, it's way too competitive to get too cute um to pick and choose, you know, exactly how you're gonna attack it. And so we really try to 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 position ourselves um to evaluate and and sign um the best players, as many good players as possible. As simple as that sounds, that's it's basically um you know, kind of the, the thought process behind our approach. And the talent really dictates a lot of our, um, you know, the talent really dictates a lot of our approach. Um, and so um, one thing that's for certain is we, you know, we typically do take, you know, we, we diversify to some degree, uh, actually to a large degree um, with kind of how we, um, you know, how we approach so like the rest of the market and in this case, um, it's no surprise that we've added even more shortstops. Um, but there's three guys in particular, uh, Jesus Cavedo, who's like a really slick defensive shortstop, uh, really fun to watch. Um, a guy that he, he just loves playing defense. Um, and, you know, one of those guys that um, just kind of really stands out, uh, you know, just watching him play. Um, Luisa Riza, um from Venezuela, um, really uh, – you know, really nice uh, uh, bat potential and bat performance. Really, a player that um, has a chance to to play the middle of the infield and and uh, you know hit a lot of doubles and that we hope can turn into um, to home runs in the future. Um, but a, a player that we're really excited about and and actually one of uh, Cole uh, uh, uh mates um, in the same program is a player named Gabriel Arias, and he's he's a player that actually. Watching Colmenares over and over again, like we we sat there and watched this other guy that's taking ground balls with them. We're like, hey, that guy's pretty good too. And this is a player who's like, you know, running in the six seven, you know, six eight range. Um, can really throw across the diamond, really athletic. Um, also has some some really good uh, back components. And um, you know, players that we're kind of really excited about watching. Um, you know, kind of develop uh, going forward. So, um, you know, there's. You know there's several other players that we we plan on um on attacking over the next you know few months with with the the rest of our bonus pool money um but really the bar's been set pretty high by by our, our group and um you know each year it becomes more and more challenging to to clear that bar but you know this is sort of what we're going to need to do to succeed you know in our division against the best And more of the pitching that you've acquired, Carlos,
1: through this has been um, probably guys who were projectable or maybe weren't as big a bonus guy, the Yanni Chirinos, the Jose Alvarados, the Diego Castillos. What do you look for when you're signing a kid who's 16, 17 from a pitching standpoint when you know how far they are from the majors?
2: Yeah, we look for, for, um, you know, we look for components, you know, components that are in place for us to be able to develop. First of all, we have a, a fabulous um, uh, group that has a, a long track record to, to, you know, to really develop pitching. I think there's great synergy um, you know, between that group and between uh, our scouts. Um, and so I think that really helps. Um, but we, we look for you know, um, good athletes. We look for nice frames to be able to project on. We look for arm speed. We look for ability to spin the baseball. Uh, we look for, um, you know, solid um, deliveries for, you know, for the guys to, you know, to be able to repeat and throw strikes. And so um, all those, you know, that's a sliding scale to you know, um, and you're, you're not going to find, you know, all these guys that mm-hmm. uh, possess all these components, but there has to be some type of combination of, of these components as we, as we look to add. But, uh, you know, even in contrasting Diego Castillo, who, Had components, but he already had like some raw velocity sort of in place. And as an older player, and Yanni Torino's had, you know, he had good arm action and and um, a really good feel and a guy who repeated his delivery and tremendous makeup. And so um, that's just a a couple of the examples with some of the guys that we have. But um, you know, certainly um, not perfect, but we, um, you know, I, I think we have a pretty good process in place and. And something that will continue to, to really depend on um, to supply and uh, talent to the organization. And the
1: big names sign more often than not now, but you're going to be signing, you have the ability to sign players from now until December, correct? Yes. Um, yes. So, so is that, hey, you've got some you know, potential late bloomer possibilities or if a kid grows, how, how, is that, how do you utilize that normally?
2: Absolutely. And we've been, you know, uh, we've, we've been huge, um, participants with a lot of the late bloomers just because not everybody peaks, you know, not everybody peaks on July 2nd. Um, so to you know, all of a sudden think that, you know, that the, the players who weren't, you know, who, you know, weren't on the, uh, sort of on the prospect scene at that point is kind of silly to us. And so we scout year round, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, November, December, April, January. Um, if, if if it's talent and it's a player that um, we feel can, you know, uh, you know, we can develop and has a chance to, to, to play in the majors, we're going to we're going to explore ways to add those guys. And so um, certainly, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of of the guys that we've added sort of that um, to, you know, at least to date that um, we're kind of a little bit more uh, famous or not, not even necessarily more famous, but a little bit more well known um, that we had to really compete on and and add uh, right away. But there's other players that we're going to continue to monitor throughout the rest of the of the year. And and uh, you know, believe me, we're gonna we're gonna work really hard to continue to add uh, talent to the organization.
1: And lastly, Carlos, how um, do you plan for the next class? Because we don't even know yet whether the signing day is in July or whether they'll move it back to January, right?
2: Yeah, I think the anticipation is that we'll, you know, we'll have, we'll continue to, um, you know, we'll have sort of this year to to um, evaluate the players and have something uh, potentially similar signing so need date next year. Although um, we have to, you know, maintain some flexibility as especially given the pandemic and the situation uh, that we're in, uh, we, we ask our, our group to to, you know, be flexible and, and to be responsive to, you know, to the marketplace and, and certainly like just the situation um, as it exists today. Um, but, you know, we one thing about international scouting is you have your eye on, on you know, on yesterday or so basically like eligible guys, guys that were already eligible to sign. We have, you, you know, your eye on the guys that are for the upcoming signing class and as well as players. Um, sort of down, you know, down the road. And so um, it's a really challenging thing that we ask our scouts to do, but it's the only way that we're going to be able to, to compete. And so uh, we're going to work hard to to scout 2021s and, and to start, you know, monitoring a lot of the, the, the players in, in the upcoming classes and, and aggregate as much footage and at-bats and innings and whatever else history with these players um, so that we can be in position to to make a, a call on them.
1: Carlos, good stuff. Congratulations and uh, continued success.
2: Thanks very much, Neil. Great talking to you as always.
1: Well, we appreciate the time of one Carlos Rodriguez on our podcast today to discuss International Signing Day and the start of this period and joining us now, a guy who I'm hoping that you're following. He does terrific work uh, on the international front, and that is Ben Badler
3: of Baseball America. Ben, thanks for hanging out. Oh, thanks so much for, for having me on, Neil. I appreciate it
1: normally, you're talking about the international signing period in July, and I know you're researching year round, but um, how unique is it uh, and how how big a change is it that we're now in January with the signing period for the first time?
3: yeah, it's uh, it's it's really an unusual time. obviously, a lot of these kids thought they were going to be signing on on July second and then everything just kind of came crashing down and in March. So obviously a lot of changes in, in baseball and, and obviously just in, in life in general. So um, yeah, the the new signing date is different and, and the whole process has been uh, a little bit different this year with all the changes that happened from the, from the pandemic. Did the signing
1: change a lot though, Ben, in terms of where a player was going to sign? I mean, most of these players had committed, were ready to sign with their particular organization. Did it allow for a lot of unusual recruiting to go on or what What may have changed in the six months in terms of where a player may end up?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were some changes that happened with some clubs and, and some, uh, you know, some player movement changes. But I, I think for the most part, you know, the, the players had already, you know, made commitments and, uh, you know, a lot of that didn't really change so much. Uh, but what, what happened was MLB put in, in a ban on in-person international scouting when the pandemic hit in March and that lasted for six months, right up until the end of September. And then after that, uh, players were still not allowed to enter team facilities right up until, uh, right up until this month, January, 2021. So, uh, you know, obviously very understandable MLB would want to limit who's coming into these team academies. It's a lot of risk for, Uh, for virus spread in in that environment. So certainly understandable from a health and safety perspective. But, you know, typically, um, you know, teams would be monitoring the progress of, uh, you know, their own upcoming international signing class, uh, whether it's bringing players into uh, their own academy for games or simulated games, uh, workouts just to monitor their progress, uh, or even just going out to, uh, the fields where, where these players train in, in their own academies and in their own programs uh, just to keep tabs on these guys uh, because of the in-person international scouting ban from MLB, uh, you know, teams couldn't even really go in person to, to keep track of how these players are, are progressing, which, you know, might not sound like a, a huge deal over, you know, four, five, six months. But when we're talking about international players who are, you know, at least at that point 15 16 and, and now 17 years old uh, a lot can change in, in that amount of time where you know players get stronger they, they can get faster their their tools can uh, improve and and you know at that age you know they, they might still be growing an inch or two in, in that point so it's it's pretty remarkable how much these players sometimes can can change over span of a few months uh, and this really was a, a ban on on seeing players in person for uh, for several months so I, I think it it didn't really have a huge impact on who was signing where, but I think it did have an impact on uh, teams' abilities to you know, just get a better gauge on, on the progress of, uh, of their signing classes.
1: Ben, in terms of the signing class themselves, normally this is for players who have turned 16 by uh, the signing date. Since the signing date has moved back, this, did that create a larger pool of players? Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans are wondering that. Or if you turned uh, 16, let's say between July and January, are you now eligible for the next class but not this one?
3: Yeah. So the the signing date changed, but the uh, the age eligibility for who's going to be signing in this class uh, is not changing. So you'll see a lot of players signing uh, January 15th who are you know 17 years old who are you know would have been uh, you know the top prospects we would typically see on July 2nd. They're just signing today so the signing age uh didn't uh or, or the eligibility cutoffs didn't change it's, it's just the the date itself was uh pushed back from july 2nd to january
1: 15th and how good is this class in your mind compared to some of the others more recently and what are the strengths of this class
3: yeah i mean that's what's that's what's hard to say so i mean i've i've seen a lot of the uh, players in this class going back uh uh, a few years now, and and there's definitely some you know really talented players, especially a lot of uh, young shortstops who are are pretty exciting. Obviously, one of them uh, really really exciting in, in Carlos Colmenares, uh, the Venezuelan shortstop. But uh, that you know what I was saying earlier, it kind of a, it makes it tough to gauge because it's it's hard to it's hard to have a you know a ton of confidence in getting updated reports on. Uh, a lot of players right now, just because they haven't been uh, scouted in a, a competitive environment in, in quite a while, uh, and and because of the pandemic and and the and the scouting ban from from MLB and, and some of the other restrictions, uh, it's it's difficult to kind of uh, get an updated look at uh, uh, at a lot of these players the way we normally would for uh, you know for a typical international signing class or for a. Uh, for a draft class, but you know certainly a, a lot of really talented shortstops. I think in this group between uh, players like Colmenares, uh, Christian Hernandez, uh, and and Armando Cruz, kids who are heading to the the Cubs and uh, and the Nationals. Yidi Capay out of Cuba, Wilman Diaz uh, out of the uh, out of Venezuela, heading to to the Dodgers. Christian Santana out of the Dominican Republic, heading to the Tigers. So. Uh, again, it's, it's tough to, uh, you know, speak with a, a ton of certainty on these players given the, the context this year, but I certainly think there's a, a lot of really, really interesting shortstops in, in this year's class.
1: Well, since you brought up one of them, uh, Carlos Colmenares, uh, you know, this is not the first time that the Rays are getting one of the better shortstops, obviously Wander Franco now one of the best prospects in the game. Uh, how are they similar? How are they different from your mind?
3: Yeah, I think the the similarity is they they both just have really really beautiful swings. Uh, obviously, Franco's a switch hitter. Colmen, Colmenares only hits from uh, the left side, but it's just a, a really really calm, easy swing. They they both have a a ton of bat speed, and and they're pre- kind of similar at least in in stature. Um, you know, Colmenares uh, you know is about five five nine five ten. Uh, not that huge of a guy, but, uh, you know, kind of like Franco, just because he has uh, so much bat speed and uh, and um, and, an, and an easy swing, he's able to generate uh, uh, some pretty surprising power for a, a player his size. Uh, and then I think the, the baseball IQ with both players sticks out too. Uh, they're, they're both really smart players. You know, you, you see a lot of, uh, you know, players that age typically who, who might look good in a you know, in a workout environment, right? Like they look really good in BP or, or they look good field in a, a ground ball. And, and you know, Coleman is, is, you know, he certainly fits both of those, but uh, there's a lot of players who actually, you know, don't have the, whether it's the, the plate discipline or pitch recognition skills uh, or, or other instincts for the game. It, it You know, they the game starts and, you know, the, those those skills don't really translate to the game in, in a lot of cases for players. But uh, I think with, you know, from from watching Franco when, when he was an amateur and and seeing Colmenares as an amateur too, uh, one of the things that sticks out about both of them is just the, the really high uh, baseball acumen that both those guys have. It's it's not just somebody who's gonna you know look good to work out before the game. These are two players who really stick out for uh, for their skills in the game too. And obviously, teams are limited in terms of how many top prospects they can. You know,
1: grab in an international signing class just because of the the budget limitations. But uh, Johnny Perone is another name that I see from the Dominican who's gotten a lot of attention, an outfielder. What's your your take on him?
3: Yeah, he is one of the better uh, one of the better athletes in in the class. A lot of quick twitch and, and explosiveness to his actions. Uh, he's you know a plus runner, or if if not better at uh, this point, I think he has the speed to. To have really good range in in center field, he's he's not the pure hitter uh, that that Colmenares is. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> Colmanares is uh, one of the best pure hitters in the class. But I think uh, Piron, you know, at least when uh, you know I, I checked in on him last, uh, it it might take a little bit more time uh, for for the bat to come around, but uh, but he does have he does have good bat speed. There's uh, you know, good good physical projection. Uh, left in uh, in the way he's built, so I think he's going to get stronger and, and continue to uh, grow into more power. So I think the hope with him is you have uh, somebody who can you know stick in in the middle of the diamond and, and play good defense in in center field, uh, and hope that you know with with more time the you know the back continues to to trend up with him.
1: And I think one of the things that that has allowed the Rays to be successful, let's say, on the international market, Ben, is that they've been very good at. Uh, not only signing guys at the top of the class but having success with guys um, I wouldn't say at the bottom but in terms of you know that they they have developed well Vidal Brujan, Yanni Chirinos, Diego Castillo guys who did not sign for a lot so are there some gems in this class that they are signing that you're really high on and if so whom
3: yeah that's uh, I mean they'll probably like you said you know Bruhan and Brujan is an interesting case because you don't you know, we do see players like, like you mentioned, like Diego Castillo. I think it's you know, we typically see a lot of pitchers, right? Who who don't sign for for big bonuses. Not necessarily just with the Rays, but you know, throughout the game, because you know, when you're signing kids at you know sixteen, seventeen years old, uh, it's it's really tough to project them, especially if we're talking about pitchers who are you know, if if you're really good at sixteen, you're touching you know ninety two, ninety three. Uh, but, you know, that's, that, that's just, you know, by the time they, you know, sign and, and a, you know, a few years later, it might be throwing, you know, 97, 98 or, or 100 plus. So we, we see a lot of bargains with pitchers typically. Uh, and I, I think, you know, not just in the Rays class, we'll, we'll probably see that in general. I think Brujan is a, you know, a really good example of, of why the Rays have done a good job of, of scouting. So you don't see too many position players um, like that in, in the lower uh, bonus range who, who turn into players like that uh yeah, but you know one guy who's uh you know it, you know certainly not the coleman aros pierron type of uh bonus range but uh at least one of my favorite players to watch is uh, jesus quevedo uh, a venezuelan shortstop who is just one of the uh smoothest fielding shortstops in in the class uh you know it, it's definitely more of a a glove-oriented profile uh, than than anything else. But um, if if the bat clicks, he's, he's going to be fun to watch because he just has some of the best hands in, in the class, just a really smooth, fluid defender at, at shortstop with really good instincts. And uh, he, he certainly likes to make the, the flashy play, too. So it's it's fun to uh, watch him in, in the infield for sure.
1: And, Ben, what, what changes going forward do you expect with uh, international signing classes? Are we looking at a January january year are we eventually looking at a draft what's your expectation on that and how it'll change the industry
3: so technically mlb has not changed the signing date yet uh, for the upcoming international class so that would still technically be july 2nd 2021 uh, but they have told teams you know look we, we almost certainly expect to move it back and that makes the most or it's really the only thing i can think of that makes sense at this point to move it back to January 15th, 2022 uh, for the July 2nd, 2021 guys, because the, you know, this current signing class now starts, you know, to, you know, January 15th, thousand twenty run 2021 and, and runs through December, 2021. So it doesn't really make any sense to have, you know, with, with the way the bonus pools are structured to have two signing periods overlapping each other. So I I assume it's going to be moved back to January 15th, 2022. Uh, And then, you know, after that, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, whether it's in 2022 or 23, I mean, you know, with the new CBA coming up, I do think that the MLB owners are going to be pushing for an international draft. Uh, They've, they did that in the last CBA and and the one before that too. Uh, But, you know, there was a midterm bargaining session that they were going to go through that they were going to try to push for an international draft again. So, uh, I think, I think the owners are going to really push for an international draft, uh, this time, the, the players association has already you know given the owners, this hard capped, uh, signing bonus pool system. So, uh, I, I don't really see the union putting up much of a, a fight against an international draft. Uh, you know, the the international players are not union members are not 40 man roster players. So uh, I think that the I think eventually at at some point in the the, the next CBA, the owners are going to be able to implement an international draft in exchange for uh, some other concession that the uh, the Players Association will get for some other benefit for the it's, you know, the 40 man roster guys.
1: Ben, good stuff. Uh, We appreciate some time talking about the latest class and uh, certainly appreciate following you and and your work that you're doing uh, on what's being done internationally
3: oh thanks so much for for the kind words neil i appreciate it we certainly appreciate the
1: time of ben Badler of baseball america and Ray's vp carlos rodriguez again uh, if you're looking for info on uh, the arbitration situation uh, go to our blog com. we'll have more podcasts as news occurs during the course of this off season we hope you're doing well and we will chat with you soon